I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hi, everyone. Sarah here. I can't quite believe we are recording the last episode of 2020 today. What a year it has been. Filled with both heaviness and with comfort, with fear and with trust and isolation and connection. Pantone recently picked two colors of the year, a soft gray and a bright yellow. And I feel like that really illustrates how many of us are feeling right now and definitely how I'm feeling. Hope mixed with sorrow, dreaming of a time on the other side of this pandemic while also grieving for the lives that we have lost or that have forever changed during this awful time. At Just Yarn, we are looking towards the new year with optimism and excitement, and we have a lot on the horizon that we are excited to share with you. We are thrilled to be launching two new subscription boxes in 2021, Loda for multi-shaft weavers, which will be led by Ariana Funk, and Twofold for rigid heddle weavers, which will be led by Christine Jablonski. We will have podcast episodes with both of them next year. We are also hard at work on new lines of yarn, including a wool tapestry yarn that I know many of you are eagerly waiting for. Uh, We appreciate your patience on that. And that is currently in production with 70 colors. And as LaShawn mentioned on an earlier episode, she has moved into a new role focused on building collaborations with artists and pattern designers, and we will be opening up an open call for pattern designs in early 2021. We have also been hard at work building a new website that will launch with a refreshed brand identity and new features that will be more accessible and make it easier for you to find what you're looking for and to find podcast episodes. This project has been a big undertaking for our small team, and we're all feeling really proud of how it has developed and excited to share it with our community in early 2021. As part of that launch, we will be sharing a podcast episode conversation with the amazing designer we worked with, Maggie Putnam, where she will give a peek behind the curtain at what went into developing our new brand and why we decided to take on this project at this time. Wow, saying all of that at once is making me both excited and nervous. It's a lot to pull off for this small business. And in some ways, this business is hardly recognizable to me as the one that I launched in a 400 square foot studio in 2017 and really is beyond the biggest dreams I could have imagined at that point. The financial and logistical challenges of managing this business in 2020 made for some sleepless nights, but we have made it through entirely thanks to the team of five women who bring their creativity and flexibility and passion to our work every day and to the mills and dye houses we are lucky to partner with and to our community of customers and podcast listeners who supported us every step of the way. Our team put together a really special episode for you to ring out this year, sharing some of our favorite customer stories that came into our email inbox this year. I'll pass the mic over to LaShawn to share about it. Thanks for that introduction, Sarah. Hi, everyone. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to give a special shout out to Christine. Christine is Just Yarn's Director of Operations, Wholesale, and Customer Service. All of the letters, with the exception of one, come from correspondence between Christine and our customers. 
and we're so grateful for how well she communicates and represents us all as a team. Thank you, Christine. We were granted permission by each customer to share their letters on this podcast episode. So thank you all for tuning in and on with the first letter. This first letter comes from Diana Taylor. I like to weave for a purpose. My favorite weaving philosophies are Zadi Weaving, A Life by Susan Barrett, and Soori Weaving by M. Joe. Yarn texture, embellishment, and color that mimic nature interest me. I weave on rigid heddle looms, all shacked, though I also have a small table loom that sits. I once had a Soori loom, but I never used it. I was daunted by warping and metal heddles. I'm currently weaving hats and other items for donation for our local food bank and animal shelters. This sounds far grander than it is as I weave slowly, lol, but it's a nice way to make things for a good cause. My thought is to expand this idea of charity weaving to a weaving or crafting away hunger Facebook page where people can sell their items online for direct donation to food banks or pet shelters. I've thought about setting up a drop-off location for local pickups or a, in quotation, hat library. Just ideas. Signed, Diana Taylor. Thanks, Diana. Hey, y'all. I'm Susie. I am the e-commerce strategist at Just Yarn. Thank you so much for writing in and for all of your support. This letter comes from Joyce Besser. I have been weaving since the early 80s when I bought a shocked four-harness loom to make rag rugs. Wanting to do more and not carrying over much from a weekly session locally, I spent a week at Seaver's School of Fiber Arts on Washington Island, Wisconsin. It was great. I did some weaving of placemats, runners, shawls, etc. Experimented with more weaving patterns. But then, a move, greater job responsibilities, going back to school for a second master's, and grandparenting all got in the way, and I wove less and less. I finally got rid of all my looms, including a 28-inch I had bought along the way. We now live in a senior cooperative. Between winter and COVID, I got pretty down. A friend in the building who is a very good weaver, making clothing out of most of her weaving, heard me muttering one day about wanting a loom. She jumped on it, checked in with a supply source she knew, and before you know it, I had ordered a salary loom. I just finished weaving the warp that came on it. I laughed at my first piece, but they got better. The goal was to produce one piece that reflected the ups and downs of winter 2020. I am working on ideas for my next warp, but mostly I'll make gifts. Signed, Joyce. Thanks, Joyce. I'm so glad you were able to come back to weaving after all these years. Hi, everyone. I'm Christine Jablonski, GIST's Director of Operations. Your letters make our day. Please keep them coming. This one comes from Susie K. Hi, Christine. Thanks for reaching out. I enjoy both knitting and weaving. My weaving journey has been longer than most warps you have ever wound. I bought a 1966 Leclerc Fanny in 1988 for $120 from a woman who had, quote-unquote, lovingly stored it on her screened back porch for 20 years. Did I mention she lived half a mile from the ocean in Fort Lauderdale? That every piece of metal was completely rusted, but that the Canadian maple was perfect? I spent the next two years and about $200 in parts bringing it back to life. I became a pro with navel jelly and a wire brush. Metal that I could not clean was replaced along with all the cords, heddles, and aprons. 
The previous owners bought it from a local community college studio that was dismantled and had a ton of accessories and shuttles that came with it. So then life got in the way for the next 10 years, and I just did knitting for a designer since I could take that with me when traveling. I finally decided I needed to open up the loom and use it, so I purchased a tote bag kit I fell in love with from a handwoven magazine ad in 2000. I managed to get as far as dressing the loom with the first warp. And life got in the way again. My first husband developed ALS and died in 2004. Fast forward, and I remarried in 2013 and insisted the loom was coming with me, warp and all. Long story short, it has taken a pandemic to get me to open the loom and tackle a 20-year-old project on a 35-year-old loom. I'm working from home right now and have time to weave instead of commuting. My final child has moved on to college, and I have claimed an extra bedroom to be my craft room. Needs painting still, and then the loom gets out of the dining room. I'm now researching my next project, which I believe will probably be a bench cushion. The piano bench I use with the loom gets a little hard after a while. I tend to be practical. Now you know my story. I am enjoying getting back into the knitting and finally weaving mode. Take care, Susie K. Thanks, Susie. I hope the painting is done and your loom has left the dining room. Thanks so much for your letter. Hey everyone, I'm Emma, Just Yarn's creative director. Thank you for writing in to us and for your continued support. This letter comes from an anonymous writer. I'm a complete and utter beginner. I've been a crafts dilettante my entire life. I'm approaching 60 and have variously and thoroughly enjoyed bookbinding, pottery, graphic design, knitting, amongst other creative outlets over the years. Primarily, I'm a color junkie, and while I run my own very time-consuming business, with the cancellation of all shows, all of my creative outlets have vanished. I sell vintage jewelry and decorative arts, and setting my showcases and setting up our booths at shows is enormously gratifying, and I miss it at the moment. I've always been a great fan of the design of Bauhaus, and lately Bauhaus weavings have been grabbing my attention. I started working on a few designs of my own, and then began researching simple looms, watching weaving videos online, and eventually searching good yarns the cherry on top. As I said, I'm a color junkie, and the GIST website is so beautifully photographed and presented, and the yarns are in such delectable palettes, I decided to jump in feet first, whole hawk. I'm hoping to receive my loom this week, a simple frame loom with a rotating heddle bar. I did a preliminary weaving using book binding cover board as a quote loom, and bits of ugly yarn from a local thrift shop to see if I'd enjoy the process as much as I thought I would. And I did. I can't wait to work with colors that make me happy. Happy to make the acquaintance of an actual weaver. Signed, cheers and be well. Thanks for writing in, Anonymous. Hi everyone, this is Sarah, the founder of Just Yarn, and I am going to be reading a letter that came from Nikki Schultz. I've been weaving sporadically for a number of years. I was a registered nurse for 30 of those years. When I retired about three years ago, I turned my son's old bedroom into a studio and started weaving natural fiber clothing for larger people. I have a modest little shop on Etsy and was doing two shows a year in Northern Wisconsin until the pandemic. I have my original Loomcraft loom and a baby wolf I used to drag around to demos. Both are eight shaft jack looms, though I only used four shafts for years. 
I've always loved ethnic and medieval clothing and have fun showing newbies on Facebook groups the variety of clothing that can be fashioned from simple rectangles and squares. I think weavers are often intimidated when they desire to weave their own clothing. I also very much like what Sayori weavers are doing, though I haven't dabbled in that yet. I've sewn clothing since my early teens, the only way I could get the styles and colors I wanted as a Miss Size 14 in ninth grade. I'm now an 1820 and was mightily disgusted with the clothing choices I have now. Everything on the store racks is polyester. Everything. Plus, people really do not need to be wearing plastic. It's hot in the summer and cold in the winter. So now I weave summer tops in bigger sizes in cotton, linen, rainy, and other natural fibers. I just styled my own design of a cocoon jacket and have plans for a similar vest with pockets. I'm not much of a planner, really. Usually I just put 17 to 20 yards of pearl cotton warp on my loom and have at it. I bore easily, so each top is a bit different. There are lots of fun, mostly natural novelty yarns out there these days. I often use a standard 2-2 twill threading and tie-up because it's quite versatile. I also like overshot and hand-manipulated techniques like Brooks Bouquet. My grandmother taught me to crochet when I was about six or so, and I crocheted a great deal before I started weaving. Now I often use crochet as a finish and seams for my handwovens. I crocheted a large-ish removable brooch for a cocoon jacket I mentioned and lightly beaded it. That was fun. I have a few other looms too, a beautiful tapestry room, loom that I really haven't used much, and then much smaller ones like cards for card weaving, not very successful, I keep losing my place, and a Norwegian backstrap rigid heddle for making tapes, but I haven't quite figured that one out yet. Two old Becca looms hang on my wall. One is mine, it was my introduction to weaving, and the other was my mother-in-law's that she bought after seeing what I was doing on it. And I have a harp loom that can be used several different ways, which is much easier to tote than my baby wool, though not quite as fun for people to try. I've also taught some weave yourself a small bag classes of the cardboard and toothpicks variety. Kids love that. Lastly, I have a weaving sanity board that's basically for weaving bracelets. I would also like to try combining weaving and beads for the statement piece necklaces, but haven't gotten around to it yet. I suppose I should hurry up. I expect I only have about 20 or 30 years left, Max. So now that I've talked your ear off, what sorts of things do you enjoy? I wouldn't be able to run a yarn store. I'd be pilfering the shelves all the time. Do you have favorite yarns? Do you stop and pet some of their favorites when nobody's looking? I'm certainly guilty of that with my stash. Thanks for your interest. I hope you get replies from lots of folks. Be well and stay safe in these crazy times. Regards, Nikki Schultz. Nikki also has a blog on Facebook called Frab Just Finds and Fibers. That's F-R-A-B-J-O-U-S, where she documents some of the highs and lows she's running into with weaving. So check it out. And thanks so much for writing in, Nikki. This next letter comes from Sue. I'm a returning weaver. I learned to weave while I was finishing seminary in the very late 90s. I had always been intrigued with weaving and was gifted with lessons with a local teacher for a birthday gift. My teacher was wonderful, 
She knew how to introduce weaving in a non-overwhelming way, and she had a real gift for helping me learn something new with each project. I continued weaving at her studio for a few years, but then I got a job at a church that was just too far away to commute even once weekly. As my responsibilities at the church grew, my weaving time diminished. I tried weaving at home on a second-hand loom, but it wasn't the same, counterbalance instead of countermark. And I was pretty lost. The happy ending to that sad story is that I sold that loom. Retired in 2015, moved from the Bay Area to the very upper edge of Washington State, and settled into learning about being retired. I filled in as an intern priest, and during that tenure, I was gifted with a lovely four-shaft jack loom by a member of the congregation who could no longer use it. I also have acquired an eight-shaft table loom, a four-shaft table loom, and a very old rigid heddle loom from assorted sources. At the moment, I'm quite entranced with the rigid heddle loom and its capabilities. I'm learning that there is much more that I can do on that loom than I imagined. I'm also working to organize my stash of yarn, which has to live in clear plastic boxes in my garage. I'm afraid it has become a rather jumble of cones, balls, and skeins. So that's probably more than you wanted to know, and I apologize for running on. I feel very much like a beginner again, and I'm continually surprised by what I remember. I'm enjoying all the emails just has sent with projects and patterns and information about weaving and other locals. I expect I will eventually order some of your gorgeous yarn, but an investment of that magnitude is still a ways off. My budget and I need to be content for the moment with practice projects sourced by my stash. It's so great to hear about your journey with weaving, Sue. Thank you for writing in, and I hope that you try some of our yarns this year. This letter comes from Paula Landry. Hello, Christine. So nice to receive your message. I am new to weaving, and I'm working on an Ashford 16-inch rigid heddle loom. I purchased the loom in anticipation of a major life change, and wow, how little I knew about what that would entail. I am a septuagenarian now living small in a 34-foot RV on a working cattle ranch in the southwest desert. As a lifelong textile artist and collector of all manner of things, downsizing was traumatic. From large shop owner to small studio, I had done my share of downsizing and relocating throughout the years, donating and liquidating several items. Each change had its challenges, but the terrain was mostly familiar. This was and is the big one. I packed up my favorite yarns from my knitting and fabric manipulation endeavors, bought the loom and hit the highway, Massachusetts to New Mexico. So now, my Wii studio is a kit-built shed by my husband Chip and I. We built tables and stools and a collection of Kanta quilts yielded curtains and a draped ceiling. Ah, my sanctuary. Now to the reality. There is a dearth of opportunities for yarn, fabric, or any weaving studios sitting here in God's country. I managed to have one lesson at the only yarn shop within 60 miles. Warp and weave something, no solid basic instruction. It would appear that YouTube would become my BFF. Happy, though, to be using my stash and learning a new skill. I am inspired by your passions and mission and yarn, the reason I am connecting with you. As soon as I can figure out some basics of weaving and better understand what I need, warp and weft, I will be making a purchase. I would like to weave a small rug and am considering Navajo churro. 
There is a farm in northern New Mexico called Organic Lamb, which sells churro in blanket and rug weights. Any and all advice you can offer is greatly appreciated. Also an extremely helpful site, Yarn Worker by Liz Gibson is one you may wish to read about. Well, thanks for listening. Signed, Paula, a.k.a. the Geriatric Gypsy, Hidden Valley Ranch. Thanks for sharing, Paula. It's so nice to hear about your adventures. This letter comes from Charlotte Carr. Hi, Christine. I just purchased an Ashford 32-inch rigid heddle tabletop loom. I have never woven anything in my life, except perhaps a tall tale. I'm very excited to get started, but this is a Christmas gift, and I have vowed to not even stain or assemble it until after all the gifts are open on Christmas Day. I am 77 years old, and my friends jokingly call me the Energizer Bunny. I have, and still do, rug hooking, needle punching, Russian punch, knitting, sewing, crocheting, parenthetically, yuck, machine embroidering, hand embroidering, and just about every kind of fiber art there is. Last month, I made a 3x5 loom and have started rag rug. I have done stained glass, lamp working, making beads with a bench burner, But don't do that anymore because I'm not as strong as I used to be, and I got tired of going around with band-aids on my fingers. I am sure once I get started, I will have a ton of questions for you. I look forward to speaking to you in the future, and I'm sure I will find many supplies at GIST. Thank you for reaching out to me. Have a wonderful, safe, and sane holiday season. Regards, Charlotte. Thank you for sharing such a sweet note, Charlotte. But of course now we're all wondering if you really did hold out on assembling your loom until Christmas Day. This letter comes from Ann Jinders. I live in New Zealand and have been listening to your podcast on my hour-long commute to work most days. I am a new weaver, sort of. When I was a little girl in the 1960s, I was given a Spears toy loom and I loved it, but my mother was not supportive of my little loom and my little loom disappeared. But I never forgot how much I enjoyed weaving. Fast forward to two years ago, I met Louise Cook, who teaches Sayori, and I was so happy in her class that I decided I would get a loom for myself. Fate sent me a rigid heddle, which I used until last year, but it was too big for my little room and I really wanted to go to the next level, foreshaft. I saved enough money to buy a new Louette Erica 50cm and I am loving teaching myself. This is the right loom for me for the duration of time it will take to save enough for a spring. So much I can learn on it. I am a visual arts graduate working at Elkland War Memorial Museum in collection care. All my weekends are filled with as much fiber craft as I can pack in. I am a sewer and plan to use my handwoven cloth for garments. Inspiration comes from studying historical garments and styles. I plan to use felt, slow stitching, and knitting in the same tunic and as much hand spun as possible. I was a costume designer working from home for 20 years, but was squeezed out of the market because of cheap offshore manufacturing in the late 1990s. I just couldn't compete, so gave up sewing, sold my costume hire, and got a quote, real job to make ends meet financially. It's my plan to go back to working from home with my weaving and fiber as soon as I can afford to. Meanwhile, I am learning, experimenting, and practicing, and listening to your podcast. Signed, Anne. Thanks, Anne. The next letter I'm going to read is from Kat Hollock. I taught myself to weave many years ago in the late 70s when I was an 18-year-old art student at a community college. 
I was very into weaving at the time, and there was a resurgence in handcrafts, including weaving and spinning, and you could still find domestic yarns in weaving products. I was able to do a lot of weaving for about four years and then sold my loom to finance a big move. I didn't have room or time to weave for over 30 years. Then a few years ago, my husband encouraged me to get back into weaving as a way to relieve stress from the grind of my work. I have a pre-1940 Gilmore 48-inch wide four-shaft floor loom. I bought it nine years ago from a man, Mr. Goodman, in my area whose wife had been a weaver for many years. I found the ad on a local guild site. After buying the loom, I went to the Gilmore Loom Factory in Stockton, California, as it's only about an hour from my house, and I saw where they currently produce looms on Mr. Gilmore's original work woodworking machines. The folks at Gilmore still have Mr. Gilmore's handwritten ledgers of looms that he made and who the looms were sold to. Apparently, Mr. Goodman's wife had bought a different loom from Gilmore Looms in 1972, not the loom I had. As far as we could tell from the character of my loom, the width, the number of shafts, the distinctive construction techniques, and the lack of a serial number, my loom appears to be a 1938 loom sold to someone in Berkeley, California, which isn't too far from me. Mrs. Goodman must have bought the loom used from the weaver in Berkeley. Mr. Goodman couldn't remember when she got the loom, but thought she had it when they moved into their home in 1951. Mr. Goodman gave me all of his late wife's weaving tools, including a couple shuttles that had labels on them. Those old plastic labels you could punch out letters and numbers, cut the strip off, and stick onto anything as they had some kind of adhesive on them. The labels had a woman's name and address on them for a house in my neighborhood. I guess this woman was the president of the Diablo Weavers Guild in the late 70s. I go past that house nearly every day. It appears that there was quite an active weaving community here in Western Contra Costa County in California. And many of the tools I have are from the 1970s, some still in production and some from defunct companies. I feel like I have a living museum as I use most of the items I got with the loom. I joined a guild for a while, Loom and Shuttle in San Francisco, but I haven't been active in a few years. I may go back soon to see what is going on with the guild. I get kind of tired traveling to San Francisco for the meetings, and it was hard to convince many of the other members of the value to share photos and information online. I think this is probably not an uncommon problem with other guilds due to comfort with technology. I found that I was more interested in sharing photos online, Instagram, etc., than sitting in a meeting hearing about it. Several of the older weavers were really into technology and had computer-controlled Toyka looms, but others were not as comfortable. I do like seeing in items in person, but decided to stop going to meetings. One fantastic thing about the Guild is their extensive library. The library is housed at one of the members' houses and contains so many books that are now rare. It is such a resource. At one point, the Guild decided to winnow out some old copies of Shuttle, Spindle, and Diepot, so I picked out a few from the years I had been weaving in the 70s. I was amazed to read the old magazines and see the stories and ads I remember. This was back in the day when all you had were the printed materials that would come in your mailbox. They were so special and you waited anxiously for your copy to arrive. It made me realize how much the internet has changed the spread of information. And for the most part, for good. Of late, I've been weaving linen and cotton dish, hand, and bath towels. 
I am a practical person and always need to make something functional. I've woven rugs for my home as well as wool blankets and throws and cotton blankets. So that's a little bit about me. I just saw your email this morning about the Beam Organic Cotton. I'm excited that you care enough about producing a product in the U.S. to work on bringing more products to market. I also read about all the folks who are part of GIST and found it very inspiring and exciting that a younger generation realizes the value of handmade things, local production, and the health of the planet. I'm really just an old hippie, I'm 62, and so happy that there has been a growing cohort of younger people that recognize the value of craft and reviving what has been lost over the years. It gives me hope. I see the value of all the technological changes over the past 40 years, but feel that the planet does need a course correction if we are going to keep it alive. We need to be more thoughtful about our consumption and less disposable. It sounds like your community at GIST feels the same way. Signed, have a great day, Kat Hollock. Thank you so much, Kat. I loved hearing about your journey and I'm so happy that what we're doing at Just Yarn gives you hope. We're glad that you are part of it. This next letter comes from Anne Stone. I am a fairly new weaver. I started on a rigid heddle loom and am being mentored by an 80-year-old who has been weaving for almost 50 years. I asked her what I needed in order to learn to weave, and her response was money. She had three floor looms in her apartment at the time, and she was able to hook me up with someone who had a Leclerc M loom stored in an open barn. I spent a few weeks lovingly restoring that four-shaft loom to her former beauty, but I did leave her character marks. About a month ago, I purchased a Union 35 two-shaft floor loom at a garage sale. She is now cleaned up and is sporting new heddles, and my husband is learning to weave rag rugs. Shortly after purchasing the Union, I bought a 10-shaft McComber floor loom from my mentor. McComber thinks it was built around 1958. I think I've maxed out now, probably more info than you wanted. At this time, I'm weaving mostly tea towels, but will be expanding to scarves in the near future. Signed, Anne. Oh, thanks, Anne, and congratulations on your two new looms. That's exciting. I also just bought a loom used, and I am also weaving tea towels and hope to expand to scarves in the future. Thanks. As you all know, this past year, as a society, we've dealt with many changes. From a pandemic that's changed how we live our lives in ways that we weren't prepared for, as well as a really necessary conversation about race and politics and what we can do as people living and working in this cozy weaving community to advocate for change. I received a lot of emails and letters in response to our Deep Reckoning episode, but this one in particular struck me deeply. This letter does briefly dive into a couple traumatic experiences that Lori has so openly shared with us. So if you think you may be triggered, I appreciate the time you've spent with us thus far in the episode, and I hope you join us again next year. This letter comes from Lori in the Netherlands. Dear Sarah, I don't know if you remember me. My name is Lori. I'm the Jew of color who reached out to you early last year. I sell vintage weaving looms and spinning wheels globally. I'm also a weaver. My heart is filled with love for you and LaShawn for addressing the murder of George Floyd. I knew this day would come in the States. 
I have had two police officers pull guns on me in Elizabeth, New Jersey after pulling into my driveway after work because I had my mouth covered in the winter due to asthma. I slowly came out of my car and I had urinated on myself due to the fear. The cops asked me to remove my scarf and they said, oh, okay, and left. I moved shortly out of that area. Another time, my girlfriend and I were going to a club when a police car with two police officers pulled alongside. The police officer threatened to rape my friend and I. He said, no one would believe you. I made it obvious that I was trying to see his badge number. The police officer noticed and screamed, drive, to his partner. I have more, but I'll stop here. All these memories came out in the past weeks, and I cried a river. I cried for George Floyd and his family. I cried over the memories. I cried over the ugly comments made by people in my circle. I also cried tears of joy because this movement has gone global. I see people from all backgrounds speaking up and saying, enough is enough. There is hope for real change. Sarah and LaShawn, I thank you so much for what you're doing. May you both be blessed beyond your imagination. Despite my challenges, I see myself as a fighter. I'm a hippie sort who loves self-sufficiency. I learned from listening to the Dave Ramsey show that to get out of poverty, we need help from the community. It made me think. That's it. We had tight-knit communities before. We cannot survive independently. We are all connected. This year made it very clear. If I did not raise money via my go-get funding, I would have sank into a deep financial hole and possibly lost my apartment. I just could not make the numbers work. I feel such a sense of gratitude to be alive. It is we the people. There are amazing people in this world. I have changed my focus to love, to keep feeling love in my heart no matter how crazy this world gets. To be aware of negative thoughts and to address them. I'm into metaphysics. Everything carries a frequency. The more I focus on what I don't want, the more I get of things I don't want. Einstein, Lisa Nichols, Jack Canfield, Denzel Washington all understand how frequency works with our thoughts. I want to live in peace. I want peace for this world. I have to first work on my own inner peace. I'm getting there. I'm working hard within my physical capacity. Tomorrow night is the first night of Hanukkah. I believe in miracles. Hugs. With deep respect. Lori. My correspondence with Lori has become very valuable to me. And I hope that if you have the means to inquire about some of her vintage looms or to donate to her Go Get Fund Me, you will do so. For a full transcript of this week's episode, as well as any links mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes at www.justyon.com slash episode 131. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for such a wonderful year. Have a beautiful, wonderful, amazing, happy holiday season. Please choose love, choose peace. See you all next year. And as always, happy we be.